D. Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast tonight brought to you by Emo Brown from Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips, uh, the most, the closest Sport Clips mm. to me, Darren. Close still. But my wife gave me a haircut, buzzed my oh. hair. How about this? How about this? I used to buzz my hair all the time. I don't think Darren's ever seen me with buzzed hair. This doesn't really work on a podcast, so we'll move on. Darren Smith, it is beautiful to see you. Well, thank you. Yes, we are. Uh, we might actually put out some video clips. You never know. We are doing this via Zoom here on a Wednesday on the 20th of January. By the way, quick follow-up on Three Punk Gales in Chula Vista. Uh, I saw our guy Steve is making house calls, so if, in fact, anybody – misses getting down to Chula Vista or misses going to their local pub and uh, does want a little emo Brown or any of their uh, outstanding local beers here. They are making the round. So you can hit them up on Twitter at three punk ales uh, and they will chances are Jordan make a delivery to wherever it is that you might be listening to us. If you're here in San Diego, that is a heck of a haircut, man. You're right. I've never seen the buzz. My wife would not do that. I'm just telling you, my wife would not do that. I, I suggested it. She would not do that for me. She'd say, no, you got to do that on your own. So kudos to Mrs. Carruth. Yeah, she's been begging to cut my hair, and I have been saying no for a very, very, very long time, and I finally caved. Just buzz it. Just buzz it. Don't get creative. We're not going to style. We're not going to do anything messy. We're not going to try something new in this moment. We're going to buzz it. It's all going to be the same. We're moving on. So who knows? Awesome. Good for her. Well, hey, Jordan, we got a guest and uh, we love speaking with Nate Miller. Nate Miller is the assistant head coach for San Diego Loyal. The website calls him the associate head coach. I don't know that there's a huge difference there, but we're always thrilled to talk a little bit of SD Loyal here on the podcast. And we're in the off season, but we're getting set now. You know, the calendar is turned and we're ramping up and looking forward to season number two starting in 2021. When that starts, we're not exactly sure, but we also should say happy anniversary because it was just a little bit more than a year ago that SD Loyal announced that Nate Miller would be joining the club as a coach. So I believe that date was January 8th. We're a little bit past that, but always our pleasure to say hello to Nate Miller here on the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. Coach, we appreciate it. Thanks and congratulations. A year plus in the books here in San Diego. Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. It's, uh, it's been some year, a lot has changed, but it's been, been great to move to, to San Diego. Well, what's the year been like? I and mean, you know, life, and we talked about it a little bit before we started recording the podcast, obviously starting with an expansion club in its inaugural season. Uh, what's, what's the last year like it's been unusual for everybody, right? On the home front, we're all working from home still, but, uh, how's this one year in San Diego treated you? Yeah. I mean, first of all, we love it in San Diego. We love the club. We love the people. Um, I love what I do. It's been, um, you know, it's already, it's already unique enough to have an inaugural club. So a season with, with, with nothing to build off of that's unique enough in and of itself. And then obviously, I mean, I think COVID and then just, uh, playing a little less than half a season, but it feels like we've all aged a few years. So, Look, it had its, its challenges, but I think when you when you live when you live the when you live these things, uh, you end up appreciating like where you work um, and the people you work with and who you live life with. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been hard at times, but certainly um, bullish about the future and excited a lot to look forward to. And and given what does uh, an assistant head coach you know, take us through an average day in your life? <laughs> You know, what's, uh, what's going on in your universe? How much of it is, is working on the upcoming season? What, what goes on every day in, in your world, Nate? Yeah, I think different seasons of, you know, different months provide, uh, you know, diving deep into different, different aspects. So this year has been a bit different just because the off season is so long. So um, typically the work we would be doing right now is very, like very condensed period of time. Um, so it's a lot different, but right now it's all about the, the roster build. And so I know we've announced a lot of players. So I think a lot of it is just doing a lot of due diligence on that end, but planning for the upcoming season, um, especially when you have a lot of moving parts, you don't know exactly what to plan for with dates and things like that. Um, but just a lot of, uh, back office work to prepare for things. Um, now we're getting ready for our players to, to arrive somewhat soon. So getting all of those things done. So it's not so glamorous right now. Um, but I think, you know, 
just making sure we're as prepared as we can be so that we're as present as we can be when, when preseason hits and then, you know, you can kiss your life goodbye for nine months. So, um, yeah, obviously taking a little bit of deep breath too, but, um, you know, just making sure that everything behind the scenes is really buttoned up so that, so that you're ready to go. And then of course, making sure that our roster is exactly what we want it to be come day one. Uh, coach, when you say players are beginning to arrive or they're about to start arriving, what does that look like in 2021? I can't imagine that is the easy thing. It's not as easy as it used to be a couple of years ago where you just kind of show up and you're good to go. What does it look like in 2021 when they start showing up? Yeah, so, so right now a lot of the conversations are like probably about if nothing changes at this date, but might, might change. So a lot, a lot of it is like that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we should be, Look, I think we're all anticipating like a May 1 or late April match day one. That seems like to be what it's going to be. So our players will start early March. Seems to be that way. Um, so we're just kind of working with players to make sure they're all situated when they come in. Um, now we have some players that are here in market, um, but every guy has his challenges, right? Some guys moving a whole family like Jack Blake or Corey Herzog. And then other guys are just, you know, have been had a long off season doing their thing and they'll be back. Um, so um, just helping guys move in and get really um, acclimated and just settled and happy because as you guys know, like, you know, performance and what you do in your life is so, so uniquely tied to your, to what's going on um, in your, in your home life and just uh, privately for sure. Um, you had, this is the first off season for you guys to address the team after actually seeing something on the field. You're coming off a season where you actually got to see uh, what some players were all about. Well, uh, for you as a coach, one of the coaches, what was the most important thing to address this off season? Great question. You know, I think it was half the season. So, you know, it was just difficult in a sense because 16 games was somewhat of a time and, you know, it was obviously there is so much to judge, but we were actually looking back and even at the time, Len and I had this conversation, we were happy. Our group was so, you know, cutthroat and group of death like, because we just, we were going to know exactly what we had. I think I've, I've said that before on record. So it, it was nice to know that. Um, but then like when we really had the roster, how we wanted it, we just didn't have a, a ton of games. So we had a good run of like eight, nine games. And we were very happy with where our roster was and with our progress. But again, like we didn't get to like fully explore everything that was going to happen. But um, I think it was pretty clear. I think that, you know, we made a lot of moves mid season in the attacking areas of the field. And so but most of those were loans. And then obviously Rubio gets his chance to move to MLS, which was amazing for him. We're very proud of him. And that was obviously the part of the plan for all parties. Like we knew if he came in here and killed it, which he did more than kill it, he was going to move on, um, which is, is perfect. So, but obviously those other two moves were loans. And so um, solidifying attacking players, but, but not just pieces, pieces that we'd for a long time, well, a long time in quotes been pursuing. Um, Jack Blake was our man. We got our man. Um, and we were just able to piece together exactly what we wanted in order to continue the growth of the team. So obviously in the attacking areas, and then it was about getting, I would say, um, a few flexible pieces that allowed us to carry maybe a little bit of a smaller roster given the conditions. So like Thomas Van Kaisel, he can play a lot of roles. Um, so that gives us kind of embedded depth within a lineup. Um, and then some other players that, um, we really believe in that fit the exact game model we want. So there's still a couple other guys that, you know, there's still some quite a few more returners that we're, we'll announce soon. I believe um, that's not really my job. And then um, a couple other players uh, who I think the fan base will be happy with that. The ink isn't quite dry yet, but that those will be rolling those out soon. All right. That's exciting stuff. You know, I know what you said, it's not your job to reveal, but you know, <laughs> we're just going to leave the door open for you just in case you, you know, you feel like you might want to do that here on the podcast. You know, I, I want to yeah. go back a little bit, if you don't mind to, to last season, just cause you know, everybody understands the circumstances, but you guys are scheduled to play what 34 regular season matches. And then you sprinkle in some, some open cup, right? Like, so, you know, the, the slate looks different than what it was post pandemic where now it's just a dead sprint, right? You guys had 14 matches to play in this group stage, which you know certainly created a lot of buzz and a lot of energy. But but how does how did your guys' priorities and and approach as a coaching staff change when the schedule changed? In other words, you know, like did you have to rethink things? Maybe there wasn't time for for as much time for development. I mean. What, what impact did the compression of the schedule just have on your guys' overall approach to, to how you managed the club last year? 
Yeah. So, you know, I don't think we necessarily said like, okay, we're changing our approach because our approach as an expansion team, as a first year team is just growth in general. I, I remember in the beginning when I came in, I told Landon, I think like, this is going to take us 10 games to be like really, really good to play this way, to play in this type of style of football, to, to get all these comps concepts across. It takes time. It, you, we weren't just going to roll out with like a low block four, four, two and just counterattack. So it was going to take time. When you look back, it, it, it was quicker than 10 games, a little bit quicker than 10 games. It took some moves. It took some pain along the way. Um, so if it was a normal season, like we'd be less than halfway and we're flying. So we felt comfortable where we were. So you have to keep it in context of we were, we were in a good way and now we need to evaluate the players that we had and not just everything about the players, not just maybe a few performances. So, um, you know, I think that we evaluated, but I, I would say something we were able to see more of is just what COVID did with many situations throughout the year, it just squeezed guys. And so you got to see a little bit more than you typically see of what's inside guys. So a lot of stress, a lot of change, a lot of randomness. So it got to really see what kind of characters and I'd say it like, it really revealed a lot of big characters on our team that we knew we wanted to build around um, for sure. So I think, you know, no matter what year one was going to be about building an identity and, we st and we did that. Um, we were just obviously disappointed that we didn't get a full run of 34 games. Can you imagine? I mean, how, how does it does it go through your mind? Do you allow yourself, you know, and maybe you can as a coach because you got to, you know, live and, and be rooted in reality. But, you know, we sort of talked a little bit about it here on the podcast. Nate, maybe you've heard us talking about it. Like even when Rubio was on last time when he was talking about Diego Maradona, had that team gotten into the postseason do you allow yourself to think like gosh I'm like what would that have looked like yeah look the postseason yeah absolutely for sure we talk about that yeah we'll be honest about that I think that it wasn't even about the postseason we just thought what if we had 18 more games with that group before the postseason like where would we have ended up and we were also playing to be fair like the best teams in the west but that was good um and look some good came out of this we have like a like a little nasty rivalry with phoenix now which is good like some good things came out of this um and it got to like pin us up against this, the, the toughest, the, you know, the toughest teams. And, uh, you know, it, the playoffs of that team, if, if we had gotten in the playoffs, of course, I think we would have done amazing. Um, I mean, I think Reno was really good. Um, they were a very, very good team. I think they deserved more than they got. Um, so I think that, yeah, we were just, we really more talk about if we had 18 games, could we have won the West? Like that's really what we talked about. And maybe, maybe not, maybe we don't, we probably don't stay that hot if we're honest, like Rubio, everything he touched turned to gold. But I also think that everyone, most teams would have had to change everything they do against us because of just the, just how consistent we were um, in all phases of the game, I would say. Um, so as you guys get ready for here, the next season, um, you mentioned some of the big character guys, like 2020 was very revealing for you. Who were some of the big character guys? Like who, who did you really learn a lot about? Yeah, quite a few. I think, um, I think two guys in particular and Charlie and Colin, just the base of our midfield, just the, those two players just showed so much, just, just a ton of stuff inside of them. I think, you know, Sal is a, is a very good leader for our club and it was, it, it really was hard for us when he went down just because he's just emotionally very good for the group. Um, but it did give Charlie an opportunity to really lead on the field and he's an important character as well as Colin. Um, but like Jack is just, a, is a guy that like, I just, I, it's hard for me to ever remember coaching a player that's so consistent, not just in matches, but every single day in training. So I think he's a, he's a key figure for us. Um, so I'd say those are the, the guys I, we saw a lot from leadership wise. You know, I think we, I think Stoney took a ton of steps forward um, and came in as a young guy um, trying to prove himself and then ended up showing a lot of leadership at the end of the season um, through his performances. So, um, you know, and obviously we're grateful to John Kemp in and other guys that obviously won't be here, but um, I'd say from the returning guys, we, we saw some just personalities come out and that's what we want. We're a team that we want those personalities to come out. We want guys to be individuals within like the, the embedded team concept that we have. So part of Grant Stoneman's story in the 2020 season is part of it is with Greenspan's injury because he had to change positions pretty early on. If stop me if I'm saying something wrong, but I believe he had to change positions. Uh, Joe Greenspan's a play I want to bring up here. 
because we haven't talked a lot about him in the offseason. And I don't know what the future is with the club. I haven't seen anything announced. But it, it seemed like he was one of those players. Had you actually had a full season like you wanted with everyone else, um, you could have learned a lot from a guy like Joe Greenspan. Where, where does the club stand with Greenspan? Yeah. So, well, first of all, we actually switched Stoney and Joe before Joe was injured. We switched their roles on the field. If you'll remember, um, they just made more sense for us and that, that helped. Now I would say that, so Joe is a guy that was a hard thing when, you know, when you have a roster build, um, you have a long time to build a roster. Joe's one of the first guys that was signed. You know, you expect a guy like that to play 28 games and just be a beast. And so when suddenly that changes, that's hard, you know, it's like, you can't, you can't really plan on that. And so that was difficult, but it did, you know, long-term it, it let some other players develop. Um, yeah, look like a lot. It's so hard to explain, um, from the inside, just a lot happens in football. Like he's, um, he's going to be moving on from here. His body is just, uh, he had just a couple tough injuries that just, um, he's, he's a big guy, fit guy. And just, um, sometimes it's just difficult, you know, half of being like a, a long-term successful pro is just getting like sometimes lucky, but really just being able to stay healthy for long periods of time. And it's a grueling game. Um, there's a lot of stop start this year, which was hard. Um, so yeah, it's not, you know, I, I love Joe. Um, he was just texting me the other day, but he's not, you know, we'll see what happens with him in the future, but, um, yeah, he won't be part of like the roster build moving forward. I don't mean to pick at a, a, you know, an old wound on this one, but, uh, you know, Jordan and I would talk here on the podcast every once in a while, you, know, you guys ups and downs ebb and flow during a regular season, right? Obviously, Nate, uh, how frustrating was it in the, in, in the middle of that to, you know, sort of be searching for yourself offensively, you know, I mean, it was that, would that be, you know, for that first season here, non COVID related, you know, I mean, was that sort of the, the, the challenge here, the thing that challenged you guys most as a, as a first year club was just, you know, a little bit of that, uh, that rut in the, in the attack. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, like we had a couple injuries too, and a couple guys that didn't pan out that were supposed yeah. to pan out. And I just think it's like, yeah, of course. Um, but to be fair in, in a normal length season, like we solved that fast, um, and brought in guys, just the season was less than half. The, so I guess what I'm saying is I think that the club as a whole did a good job of solving the problem. Uh, we just ran out of games. I think, of course, it was frustrating. Um, there were games where the most frustrating, I think, was when we played very, very well. Um, and then you just, we just knew at the time, okay, we need, we need to, to bring in some players that can finish off the actions. Um, like OC at home, the, the first game when we lost 2 0, like we actually played very well. Um, and if we had the roster that we had a few weeks later, like I think we had a beaten them pretty well that day. Um, so because we would have scored early, I think. So I think that that had something to do with it. So look, we saw COVID changed a lot of things. We solved the problem really early. So grateful to Guido Rubio, you know, Miguel did a good job too. So those guys came in and, and they fit in really well, but like to play how we want to play, it takes some time. And so, um, and, and we can't just expect, I think it's important. Like we can't just expect first day of preseason for us to, you know, pick up where we left off because some pieces change. You have to understand that like it's a long off season. Um, guys in their mid twenties tend to forget things sometimes. Um, <laughs> so you kind of have to like rebuild again, some, some habits and some things and, and just go again. And so it might look a touch different. We were in a good way, but like the base was really strong, but some of the bells and whistles might change just because the players change a little bit. So we have a very good vision of, of where we want to go and the players that are coming in um, and the rest of it. And now just, you know, the, the magic of it all is taking the vision you have and, and making it reality. That's, that's the, that's the huge, the, the, the huge job. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think on that point, you know, it was such a credit to you guys and how hard you all play. You know, I remember when you were playing in Phoenix the first time and I think it was Grant, you know, when we knew that, you know, there was some offensive concern here. Right. And like, nobody quit like your defenders and midfielders and your keeper really kept you alive. So that the end of the season, you know, turned into, you know, such an exciting run for you all. Once Rubio comes in and Alejandro and then Miguel as well. Like I, we, Jordan and I talked about that countless times. I, I do wonder this though, Nate, and you know, we're from San Diego. So we're partial. Like we love the weather and right. Like everybody should want to play for SD loyal. 
But for you, how do you sell this club? You know, if you're talking to somebody, let's say you're involved in a conversation with a player, you know, and, and you're, you know, this player has options and you're trying to convey to them that no, like you should come and you should join SD loyal. How do you do it? Like, how do you sell this club to, to, you know, soccer players out there with options? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good question. First of all, to address the part of the back line, the goalkeeper, I couldn't agree more. It's very true. You know, it was a hard time. We went into Phoenix and we had to change how we play, which is very against our identity. But we knew on the day that we had to like go into a tough environment and, and play a certain way. So yeah, it was hard. And I give those, the whole group, a lot of credit, the defenders, but also the guys that like, you know, guys like Ben Spencer, Morgan, those guys just grinded and just kept getting better. And then they really helped us in the stretch run. So as far as selling San Diego, look, I wouldn't say it's hard. Um, but you know, it's like one of those, like, I just say just in general, the USL as a whole is raising the level. Like, you know, like I had to check to make sure Birmingham wasn't purchased by Mark Cuban, given all the business they're doing. Like there's a lot like people, like teams are spending. And so I think that it's, it's good for the league. We want the league to explode. We want bigger players. We want everything to grow. Um, So there's a lot of like, and so when you're a new club that then COVID hits, like, San Diego is awesome, but like everyone else is like ramping it up too. So as far as how we, we sell it, I think we have a lot innately a part of our club. I think the leadership of the club, um, it's just so professional. And I would just say, so desire, like what Andrew and Warren have done just to set up the club. I don't think there's a lot to sell there. Obviously we have Landon at the club. So a lot of it, to be honest, is us making sure players are coming here for the right reasons. A and even just this past year, the things that have happened, I think that we have a lot more interesting options of things that come our way um, where people, I would say, like believe in the soul of the club. Um, and so there's more like, I'd say, just interesting things that are coming our way. So I think that for the most part, it's um, it's us just making sure within the framework we have with what we can afford or whatever, just that we're bringing in the right people and the right players. It's not like, I would, I wouldn't say like, it's a huge sell job that we have to do. Um, for us, we just like when the, you know, we want the players to come here for the football, um, and to, and to be part of this. So, and and just in general, the last thing I'll say to that is there's just more, um, we need more like tiers in our country of football. There's just such a high, there's better and better players and more quantity of players coming out. So like supply way outweighs demand in the market right now, just of players. And so you have, it's all about the fit. It's not about for us just always the top end talent. It's about what fits your club, who fits what you're going to do, because the fit no doubt always accelerates the impact the player has for the team. Obviously it's important to bring in the right players to a team. How important is it to play the right preseason matches as we get ready for the 2021 season? Like I'm excited for the next year over this upcoming season for a lot of reasons. Um, one, just because what we saw in 2020 with Loyal. Uh, another is the additions, including Corey Herzog and several other players. Um, do you have any idea when we might actually see this team playing against another side, not named San Diego Loyal? At what point may we potentially see a friendly here coming up? Yeah, I was working on that today. Um, trying to, like again, solidify as much as we can solidify even though like we don't have a match day one from the USL. So that'd be great for the USL to roll out a match day one um, for everyone to plan on. That'd be nice. Um, But in the meantime, um, like, yeah, we have a general idea. So in, in March and April, um, yeah, we're, we're solidifying those. Um, The thing is, is like the USL championship teams around us. We, you know, we had to play them so many times last year and you have to guess that there would be a geographical weight to the schedule again in 2021. So Um, yeah, but even things like we'd love to play Cholos a lot and things like this and friendlies, but you have the problems with the border (laughs) right now. So you have a lot of things that are like kind of in the way, but yeah, I think, um, mid March you should, I, yeah, again, I don't know what we'll decide to make open to the public or not, but you guys are, you guys get to come to everything. You guys are basically in our locker room half the time. So (laughs) no, I think mid March, you'll probably be able to see the the team play again. (laughs) Um, so the, we saw like FC Dallas last year, if I remember correctly, there was like an MLS side. What's that's right in an ideal world. Let's, let's say like clubs could come in and actually train here and you could like turn San Diego into a preseason hub. Let's say you could even do that. Like what's the per, what's the ideal type of opponent you want in the preseason? Like, do you want to play USL clubs? Do you want to play MLS clubs? Do you want 
uh, teams flying over from Europe and stuff? What, do you, what would be ideal for you? Yeah, it depends what part of the club you ask. Um, I mean, for, so for us, the, the answer is a mix of it, depending on um, where we are in the preseason, like the, the sketch, where we are in the process. So for us, like, yeah, last year is a good example of what we want. So very early on, we played Dallas, uh, which was good because you kind of want to blow everything you've been doing up in training camp and expose yourself, which is, which is perfect being at Chula Vista. We're so blessed to be there, to train there and like, the Columbus was there last year, Dallas, but well, we need to see what happens with MLS, but their preseason might not like coordinate with ours, depending on what happens. So we might not have that. Um, and travel obviously is still difficult until things clear up. So if, if there's an MLS team that's training in Chula Vista, of course, we'll schedule a preseason game with them. We need to see if, when their preseason starts. Um, and then, yeah, I think like last year we did Fullerton, which is good. If we want to play like a lot of guys, a lot of minutes, um, typically college teams are flexible. We just play a ton of minutes and get the exact amount of minutes we need for each guy, on, um, per their plan. So, um, yeah, I think we'll probably play Tucson as well. We'll see, but I think a lot of it is more, um, for me, we want to play at least two or three games against the very best opponents we can possibly play. Um, so MLS teams, Liga and Mekki teams, that's kind of the ideal, the closer we get to the start of the season. Uh, listen, Landon's never going to listen to this podcast, right? We're like 26 <laughs> minutes in, so you don't have to worry about it. But what was it like watching Landon manage for the first time? You know, what, what was, you know, what was that like watching him, you know, because I'll be the first to tell you, I mean, he went in and I know he'll say it was just him joking about, I might stink at it and not be, might not be any good at it. But, you know, you got a chance to sit there and you got to watch this legend launch his managerial career to the point where, I mean, he was mentioned as a possible candidate for the Galaxy. So uh, what was that like? What was Landon? Uh, was he was he any good or what? <laughs> yeah. You know what Landon says? Um, yeah, I'm around Landon when he's talking on the phone a lot. And he what he says is like, so he one of his best qualities that he learns like very, very fast. Um, and so I think people don't stay in the game too long that they can't keep making the, making the same error. And he is like, he catches things very fast. He understands a lot of nuance about things, but I would just say this, like, um, Landon is very, very, um, self-aware, emotionally intelligent. So not that what that does, it makes the players respect you and love you. And so He's an expert. I would say he's an expert at like diffusing situations, um, which is a very important quality in a manager. And he is very good at not like most of the things players will tell you that like, like a lot of coaches can do more harm than good. And Landon was such a big player for so long and plays for so many coaches. He, he innately understands what to stay away from. And the players love that, love him for that. So you understand what to say, when not to say things. And so he just has that inside of him and you can't teach that. So he's a very, like, I would say like a steady hand on the ship. Um, so yeah, he's, he's great to work with. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting hearing you ask the question, like what it was like to watch him because I wasn't really watching it. We were doing it together. He has a lot of impact on me, I think vice versa. So, um, you know, I think in, just like any relationship in life, you change each other a little bit. Um, so we're kind of adapt to each other, but yeah, I think that he probably gained like five years of experience this year with everything that the club went through. And so, um, yeah, he's, he's fantastic to work with for sure. Yeah. Right in the deep end of the pool, man. Like that was, <laughs> yeah, you know, sure. that was not wading into the waters there at all. Did it, did it scare you as much as it scared us in at orange County when he kicked that sideboard there as loud as it was, <laughs> you remember that? I mean, my God, that yeah. thing, like it sounded like a cannon went off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'm trying to remember how the refereeing was that day. Yeah. Maybe not, yeah. Like it, but I think, um, I, I, I think no yeah. penalty at the end of the match, you know, when you guys <laughs> oh, probably right. should have taken a penalty right. kick right. right at the end. Um, yeah, he gets into it, man. You gotta love it. Right. I mean, he's into it. So, um, I love that. Like he doesn't, um, he's not, he, he's a competitor, man. He, I remember in the beginning of the, I don't know if you listen to this, but beginning of the season, he was like, man, like, all these coaches are always paying attention to the referee, all this stuff. Like let that, let that stuff go. Just, you can't affect it. First 10 minutes against Dallas in our preseason game. Yet year gets up and he's just mother effing the referee all up and down the, the field. And I'm like, that lasts a long man. And he was just like that, but this is different. This is terrible. Oh, it's so funny, man. It's just like, no, but he kicks every ball. He's into it, man. Um, I love that. So. 
after a match this season or in 2020, would you talk about the match right away? Obviously you talk about it after with the players and when you're at the stadium, but like when you're going home, like, is it something where like, all right, we need a break. Like we're going to decompress. We'll reorganize it. Or are you guys, are you guys text until 5am about the match? Yeah, I have to watch the match um, before, that night before going to bed. So um, sometimes, uh, yeah, a couple of times, I remember he he would he came over here and we'd watch till late. Um, yeah, we typically have we'd talk at the stadium and then typically a couple of times that evening and just watch. Um, but yeah, me, him, TD, Matt, like we're always like I, I have to. So, um, but yeah, it is a uh, exhaust. So you know, at first it's just all the emotional part of it, just you know all that stuff, and then you watch. Um, for me, it's just to get, I need that real correctly modified in my head. Cause you actually don't always place things perfectly, exactly how they occurred. Um, and especially if like a player is going to text you or call you about something, you want to know that like what you're saying is, is right. Um, so I have to watch it. Um, and then like the next day becomes like, I would say like the full blown analysis of it, that we start the process of that. So. Yeah. Is it often for players to reach out to you like that night following a match? Uh, depending on what happened. Yeah. A lot the next day. Uh, but you know, like anything, it takes time to like, as you go on a journey with players and then like, you know, I guess how, how we coach, how I coach, it's very like, it's a lot of communication and a lot of, um, collaboration. So yeah, it's, it is very common it's with, with certain players, certain players want feedback right away. Um, and yeah, I think once they get really comfortable with the staff, yeah, it is common. It's like, but to be fair, going back to an earlier question, that's what we look for in guys. We want guys who are so invested in the details because that's who we are and they want to get it right. They want to do something like unique, not just copy paste. So guys who care about everything they're doing on the field and how it impacts their teammates. Um, I love that. Well, I mean, this is, this is my final question. Cause we're, this has been a very easy conversation. I do a lot of <laughs> interviews where you look and you're like, Oh my gosh, we're like two minutes into this. We're at 32 minutes in Nate. So I do want to let you have Sorry, a little guys. bit of a home life here. No, I mean, it's, it's a credit to you that this is such a, an easy conversation, but you know, looking ahead now, you know, we're prying a little bit here on, on scheduling and prying a little bit on, uh, you know, potential rosters. But what we know is, you know, Corey Herzog is, is coming into the mix a real shame that happened to Reno. I mean, Jordan and I have talked about it here yeah. on the podcast. We really, yeah. not that we would wish that, that on any supporters group, but you know, there were other clubs that didn't seem yeah. to take it as seriously as Reno. So we were pretty bummed about that, but um, whether it's him or, or Blake or, or, you know, what are you looking at here just in terms of some of the new players and what they bring into the mix? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Too bad about Reno. It's so frustrating because the USL takes so many steps forward and you get this look, I feel like, I lived that. I was, I was the head coach of a club that yeah. folded and it, it sucks. It's like people just think, Oh, that team's not there anymore. It's a lot of people who are moving their homes who are moving kids. It's, it sucks. Um, so it's very, I feel very bad for those guys. Um, but as in all those opportunities, it, it opens up doors. Um, so yeah, look, I think, I, I don't think it's a secret. Uh, we won Corey the year before we finally got Corey. So he just has so many, like defensively as a striker, he's like the guy that in the MLS that we want. Um, i sorry, in the USL that we want. He's a great, great fit for us. A uh, great personality too. Uh, Jack Blake was for us, the center midfielder that we've just been like, if we could get Jack Blake, we would be very, very happy. And so um, he fits our identity. So I think, so I know fans might not know like Thomas Van Kaisel, but he's, he's a, he's a monster. He's great. And then um, I've known Ebby Akan for a while and he is, could be the most athletic defender in all of USL. He's a beast. So, and we're going to, you know, I think two things the fans will be excited about. I think that there's, um, you know, we'll be announcing a goalkeeper at some point um, and then a strike, you know, an attacking piece. It's, uh, it's going to be exciting. So like, look, the, the, the ink, it's like, it's, I don't think the ink is dry yet. So we need to make sure everything's good, but, and, and look too, the exciting thing is there's a couple more returners. Um, there's a lot of things coming down the, the pipeline that I think are exciting. Um, but yeah. And then, and then you might see us be, be patient as well because there's just so much upheaval and uncertainty in the world soccer market. Um, and so you just have to, like we did in mid season, you have to remain opportunistic to, to take advantage of those situations. Yeah. That Kempen news was a bit of a, you know, at first you're like, Oh, okay. This looks like an opportunity for him. He was, in my opinion, I mean, whatever that's worth, one of the best keepers, if not the best keeper in the USL. 
And then you hear that he gets traded. And now he, you know, he might be a USL keeper again. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck. Like that sort of sucks. You know, like I, but I don't I'm think happy would for trade him. for him though. If he wasn't going to be their number two, like you're not yeah. going to give up an asset. So I think he'll be their number two in DC, but I'm not sure. So, but look, I think that's the point is he wasn't making any match to 18s for Columbus. He comes in here, he raises his value and we help him make a move. You know, he, we give him a platform. He did all the work. He was amazing. Um, give him a platform to, to make a move that's good for his career. So that's positive. Like it, I don't think fans should be upset if they see, you know, our guys like making moves in MLS. That's what we want for those. No, guys. no, absolutely not. I, and and there's I always, always say more that. guys like we, yeah. we have our ear, like, you know, I'm not saying everyone is replaceable because it's hard to replace certain guys, but you know, this is the per you can't be afraid to lose players up. If you're losing players up, in this business, you get more players offered to you because you're doing it right. So, um, yeah, you, you have to bet on yourself, bet on your process that you'll figure it out and find the best fit. So we're psyched for John, um, Rubio, other guys. I think Guido will get a great option too. So, yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, that was only if, you know, I read one of the pieces that he was going to go to DC United's USL club and which I was like, yeah. I hope that's not the case. I really want to see that guy on the MLS level yeah. playing with our boy, Paul Ariola. So I hope the, yeah. I hope he gets that chance. Yeah. And look, I, John proved it this year. I mean, like I, I was telling Landon and TD this the other day, like we will not live another season where a goalkeeper <laughs> literally did not make a mistake in the entire season. It was outrageous. Like I've never seen anything yeah. like that. He literally didn't do anything wrong. It was insane. So yeah. Good coaching. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, coach, yeah. thank you so much for the time. I, I if yeah, I do remember this correctly, I believe your son dressed up as Grant Stoneman for Halloween. We were trying to remember this on the podcast recently. It was a couple episodes ago. Yeah, it was Stony. Um, it was Stony. Yeah, it was Stony. He's got a. Yeah, I mean, he's no, he's known Grant for a while, but uh, we made it a little funny for Stony by holding up the yellow card. Grant needs to get those cards under control. Um, but yeah, he dressed up as Stony, which was which was fun. So, yeah, maybe maybe Corey Herzog a favorite in twenty twenty one with the hair. Yeah, I mean that guy's crazy, man. He's crazy <laughs> in a good way, though. <laughs> he brings the personality, man. No yeah, doubt about yeah. that. Hey, yeah. thanks for doing this. All right, guys, appreciate you guys. Thank you, Darren. There he is, Nate Miller, the associate coach, assistant coach. I I, I don't know what the official title is there, but he was a lot of fun to talk to on the podcast. Assistant, assistant coach, assistant head coach, associate coach. At least that's what it says on SD Loyal's website, sdloyal.com. So yes, you can, you can. Mince through those words if you want. We know certainly he's a guy that pours everything into his gig. You know, we get a chance and we got a chance this past year to see a little bit of what we were talking about, what happens post-match, et cetera. And, you know, when, when that tough stretch hit, man, those guys, you know, the thing I will say, they did not, they believed in what they were doing. And, you know, though they came up short of heading into the postseason, like it, you know, that it paid off for them. So, you know, it wasn't so much about, well, Hey, what was going on there where you guys couldn't score any goals. It was, you stuck with what you had and like you, you made a real legitimate run at it, which I thought was great. So, Hey, that's uh that's pretty exciting stuff here. You know, it's, it's late now, January, and we're starting to hear suggestions and rumors about different clubs set up to be involved in friendly. So I, I know that it's going to feel agonizingly slow before the start of the season, but you already you get the juices flowing a little bit. I mean, I'm already starting to think about 2021. That was a great way for me to start thinking even a little bit more about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, pretty excited for the next season. Um, a few things that kind of just stood out to me in that conversation. Um, I wanted to ask him what the most important things were to address this offseason. obviously attacking, finding some more goals for this side. Uh, Corey Herzog, just one of the players, um, that they bring in. So obviously mission accomplished there. It looks like they, they want to bring in a big attacking player. They get the guy they wanted last year. Um, and then also you mentioned he wanted guys who can play multiple positions, maybe, maybe tighten the roster a little bit, maybe not play as many different. That's how I heard it. Maybe I'm hearing it wrong, but maybe not have to play as, as deep into your roster. Maybe you have guys that can do multiple things. So that helps you out along the way. Um, but very encouraging for 2021. Um, it sounds like, my impression is mission accomplished in the off season. It sounds like they got the guys they want, or at least the type of people they wanted to bring in. And not only have they done that, 
they have given themselves, at least according to Coach Miller, a little bit of wiggle room in the middle of the season because who knows what it's going to look like in the middle of the season and who actually might be available. If you all of a sudden an opportunity presents itself that you can bring in another high-caliber player like a John Kempton or a Miguel Berry or a Rubio Rubin, you have to put yourself in at least that position to take advantage of it. And it sounds like they are at least putting that in. Uh, they have that mindset going forward, so that is important. So really good stuff from Coach Miller. Absolutely. On a related note, Jordan, just speaking about the league itself, the United Soccer League uh, announced their impact committee today, uh, this Wednesday afternoon, and uh, was thrilled to see Shannon McMillan's name as part of the impact committee, which is going to work closely with players focusing on uh, anti-racism initiatives, efforts, LGBTQ, advocacy, community engagement, gender equality, things along those lines, things that we know are important to the club. The club obviously wants to go out there and win championships and score a bunch of goals and have thousands and thousands of people rocking gear and they want to be successful in that regard. But I think they also, I mean, I think we know what the club stands for. You and I both know and people who are listening to this podcast at this point, if you waited 40 minutes, you know what the club stands for. So I was thrilled to see Shannon McMillan involved in a member of that committee. So don't know exactly every last detail, but uh, that's certainly, I know I speak, I think for both of us here that she's one of our favorites and she has a lot to offer. So I was really, really excited about that. Yeah. I don't want to overextend ourselves here. Cause it's not as if we're in the broadcast booth with alongside her for the call. We're, we're on, we're on the field doing pre and post and we love it. Um, just the idea that we're even on the same broadcast team as Shannon McMillan is going to be one of those things that I remember and talk about forever <laughs> with my broadcast. Like, cause this is something I kind of thought about earlier today. I was driving around and I was listening to your radio show and you were talking about the importance of Philip rivers to the radio show. And clearly, um, that goes back a very, very long time so far back that it actually includes me with the Darren Smith show. <laughs> and it's, it kind of just brought back memories of like, wow, we did when he did fill in for the couple days when you were gone, like, like I'm always going to talk about how Philip Rivers filled in for the show. And I think of other things in like my broadcast career, like going to Cooperstown to watch Trevor Hoffman get inducted. Shannon McMillan being like on the same broadcast team, although we're not like doing the broadcast with her, like I'm just going to go ahead and consider myself on the broadcast team with her. It's going to be something I think is forever amazing. And I am forever grateful for it. No shit. Right. I mean, we've got Landon Donovan as the manager of the club and Shannon McMillan, who's there, who's not only, lending her insight into the broadcast booth, but who's around it, who's so insightful. You and I are so fortunate to get a chance to, to chat with people like this, not just in this capacity, but to sit, watch training and see it through their eyes, right? You and I are never going to be confused with master tacticians here on this podcast, but just to, to listen and absorb as much information as you can get, they've assembled a really, really good group. And, and I'm with Nate, you know, it, it, you know, it does feel like, like a time, gosh, this league has so much potential, you know, and then you take huge steps forward and then something like Reno happens. So hopefully, you know, that's just an unfortunate consequence of what's happening with this pandemic and the finances involved. But, you know, I, I do, I, I am, I am bullish on this league. I am bullish on the USL. And, and I don't just say that because we have one here, obviously I've, you've promoted, I've promoted, uh, what MLS would mean to this market, but uh, I'm bullish on everything this league has to offer. And, and I would even, I mean, I would tell you, I was on the USL website and they have a USL supporter survey out there, you know, that they want to hear from people. Now, some of this is like, Hey, download our app. And some of this is, let me get your email address so I can email you a bunch of stuff, but some of it's important. You know, they ask a bunch of questions about, you know, how'd you hear about a club? Are you a member of a supporters group? How important is soccer to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, you know, if you want to uh, get involved with something like that, I mean, this is not something they have, anybody asks us to do, but you can go to the USL official website. If you're, if you're into providing feedback on such things, like I said, some of it, sometimes you're like, okay, like, I don't want to, I get it. Like, I, I know you guys all have apps and, and that's part of what you're promoting there. But, you know, I thought there was a lot of interesting questions about, you know, whether or not your, your club represents your city and how it does so. And, and, you know, how many matches do you go to things along those lines? So anyway, I'm, I'm, that's what I got on USL here tonight. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think USL is going to go as far as the most important clubs go, you know, like it's yeah. really, it's, 
there's some really important clubs in this league and San Diego very quickly has put themselves right into that category as one of the leaders in this league. So the, and, you know, uh, and, and like the other thing too about it is like, you know, you sort of see, you know, in this country, right? Like you're a Chelsea supporter. I'm a Barca fan. Uh, our mate, Nate, not Miller, Abre as a, a Liverpool supporter, right? You know, for the most part, the football fans that you know, root for the more popular clubs, right? But, you know, you're always reminded about, you know, how many supporters there are out there, especially foreign supporters, right? Who, you know, who absolutely love second division, third division clubs, like who are, are emotionally tied to that, you know? And I, I always think, you know, that that's, you know, it doesn't have to always just be what's happening at the top of the food chain. You know, you can love a second division club every bit as much as you can love, uh, first division MLS club in this country or uh, first division Liga MX club or an English premier league club or a La Liga club, right? Like, you know, that sort of stuff. I was looking at something. I was just trying to scroll through Twitter to find it, which is, is not going to last very long because I will just move on. But, you know, there was something about, uh, you know, some stadium uh, booth and Crescent. I, I don't even know what that is. And I just found myself, reading about it, York city football club, that they're closing their long time ground in England. And you just sort of go like, well, like, you know, there's something quite charming about that. Like there's something that's really awesome about, you know, people who support these lower division clubs forever, you know, and like the, you just see a level of passion. That's every bit what you see for some of the biggest clubs in the world. So I don't really know where I'm going with that point, but well, no, you were reminded of it too, especially like in the FA cup, we just saw Tottenham travel up to the Liverpool area to play a club called Moraine that hosts about three, 4,000 people. And they, they have a home right next to the stadium and each home gets a nice little uh, marker of which numbered house they are. So just in case the football goes into their backyard, they know which house, which door to knock on to go get the actual football that they have lost. And of course there's, I'm, I think it's been pretty clear that you and I are both quite romantics when it comes to this sport and a lot of other things in life. And uh, it is very easy for you and I to support a USL championship club. And they make it a lot of fun. They make it very easy on themselves. So absolutely. How how about the third division club that knocked Real Madrid out of the Copa del Rey today? I can't even pronounce the name. Alcoyano, Alcoyano, a non-senior side from a regionalized division beat Real Madrid with 10 men. It's one of the most shocking upsets in the history of Spanish football. And that just happened a couple of hours ago that Real Madrid is out of the Copa del Rey losing to some club. That's like not even technically third division. It's just, no, that is something else like that to me. Like that is, that's a moment you wait a lifetime for. Yeah. Yeah. That's the moment you not, talk about forever. Not just that's the moment you talk about, about the way. forever. I know that's why guys like, I can't wait for the open cup. You know, like I can't wait for, for some of those moments here with this club that this, this pandemic deprived us of, but we're patient, we're patient people. And we know they're in it for the long haul. So let's get it. Yeah. Um, have Barca fired their coach? Chelsea have not fired theirs. We still have Frank Lampard. No, Barca is not going to sack its manager until it has a president. Presidential elections were supposed to be on uh, the 24th because the pandemic is out of control in Spain and in Catalonia in particular. They have moved it back to March. So, uh, yeah, hmm. good times. Good times. You know, I, I really – I never thought I'd be so emotionally invested in the Spanish Super Cup, but uh, watching Barca play over the weekend and, and blow in, in spectacular fashion, probably the last real chance that Messi's going to have to win a trophy with Barca – in the Spanish super cup, which is sort of the community shield, I guess it would be. It's, you know, the team that won the league top two teams and league standings, top two teams, Copa del Rey. But uh, what a nightmare. Barca goes up one nil. They give up a goal. in The first 30 seconds afterwards, they give up the equalizer in the 90th minute and then they lose an extra time and Messi gets a red card to boot because he just punches a dude in the back of the head. So not great. Not, not great at all. And uh, I really, and you know, that might be the last opportunity that Messi has to add to this ridiculous tally of trophies. So bit of a bummer, but what are you going to do? Do you know off the top of your head, what his last trophy would be then with Barca league title 2019. 
that would be the finishing trophy with him in Barca if he moves on. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. Barca hasn't won a trophy in, in 20 months. I know. Boohoo, right? We're sitting here being romantic for football. But, you know, for a club that size to not have won a, any right. trophy in, in almost, you know, going on two years now, and there's no real reason to think that they're going to win one. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Maybe they can figure it out in the Copa del Rey, but I don't know why anybody would think that. Well, at least you're not Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey. Now tell me, good point. Well, we play tomorrow. Now tell me what's, what's happening here with your club. I mean, what do you, what, what's happening really to our guy, Christian Pulisic here? Okay. Number one, I have questions about what's happening with Frank Lampard. Okay. Number two, what is this GQ photo shoot? Okay, so in honor of Chelsea's eighth place finish this year, we got eight beautiful photos of Christian Pulisic, four black and whites and four in color. Um, it's a glorious photo shoot, Darren. It may or may not be on the wallpaper on my phone right now. I, I, I won't commit to that on the podcast. I won't not commit to that on the podcast. Um, you want to start with Lampard or you want to start with Pulisic? Let me I ask you a question. Okay, here, let, let me that. interview you about us. I think they go together. I think they go together. Some people don't think they do. I think they do. I think Frank Lampard really, really likes Christian Pulisic. He played like he is in every single lineup that he is healthy enough to be in. Pulisic is playing. Lampard has been given Pulisic every single opportunity, especially lately. I know at first, the first couple matches, um, what was it, last season? Yeah, the beginning of 2020. There were a couple of matches where he was healthy. He didn't play some questions. Um, he wasn't even playing that great that early on, but then he really, really improved. Lampard really liked him. He's played him like he's in, he's one of the guys. If Lampard is out, that creates a question mark with Christian Pulisic. Now, whoever the new guy is could come in and love Christian. And I hope he does, but we already know that he is in the good graces of Frank Lampard. So if Lampard does get the sack at any point, and you see differing reports. You see the athletic tells you that he was fired two weeks ago. And we just have this mystery person on the sidelines that you think is Frank Lampard, but it's really not. And then you also have, um, you have some stories out of Spain that say uh, they're not going to fire him in the middle of the season. They don't want an interim. Um, so I don't know what to believe. I hope they don't. I hope they keep him. And I think if they do sack him, it at least adds a question mark uh, to Christian Pulisic, because I don't think there is a, uh, one of those right now with Frank Lampard and Christian Pulisic. I think they go okay. on. I think he's in with them. So I'm hoping me, he sticks around. I'm hoping he's given the time to figure this out. I have been given no reason to think he'll actually be given that time, knowing what Chelsea typically does, which I have no problem with. Um, I really have no problem with the cycle that they take with managers. Some other supporters think it's a really big deal and it's a bad look. I really don't care. Um so it's different with Lampard. I think Lampard has already been given extra time than he probably, than other people may have been given in this job based on results. He may have already been given that extra time. Um, it looks like he's set to get even more time and maybe finish the end of the season and see how it all plays out. That's what I hope happens. We'll see. What's the issue here? So, you know, as somebody who's not watching near as close as you are, are we talking about tactics? Are we talking about lineups? Are we talking about motivation? Or so like the most recent lineup, um, what we saw at Leicester, there was a report from the athletics saying if they lost against Leicester, like Lampard is out. Well, they went out, they got crushed to nothing. Um, and he's still the manager. So I don't know what's going on there, but he changed everything. Like he was very, very offensive. Like he was very aggressive with that lineup and it looked very different. Um, I believe even in his press conference following the match against Leicester, he said he's going to change things for the next couple of matches because he's aware that there's a lot of pressure on him. And he knows the next couple of matches are going to be really, really important for his future. So he's changed things. Um, I think it's a brand new team. Everyone talks about all the money that Chelsea spent. Um, they did. They spent a lot of money. But with that, that means it's a bunch of new players who are playing together for the very first time. Uh, no one's going to feel sorry for Chelsea for spending all that money. But these are players that are getting used to each other. And um, one of the main players, Havertz, has missed quite a bit of time due to an injury. He's back now, but he missed a month plus. Um, so you have a brand new group, um, a, like a strong trio that they brought in that really haven't been able to play together. Now they're starting to get that opportunity. And I'm hoping Frank has the opportunity to actually like play with the toys that were brought in because I don't think he's been given that full opportunity quite yet. I think it's, they've gotten off to a slow start. I remember Arlo White called it a very uncomfortable start at the beginning of the season. I think it was a couple matches in. He's like, it's got to be very uncomfortable at Stamford Bridge. Like, it's beyond uncomfortable at Stamford Bridge at this point now. 
Um, but I really believe the fact that he's Frank Lampard, like he's, that's why. That's what I was going to ask. Right if now. his name wasn't Frank Lampard, would he have gotten sacked already? Darren, when was the last time Chelsea dipped into league two to hire a manager? Like that's the other managers that they're thinking to bring in are the guy, the, the guy from Leipzig. I don't have the name in front of me. I'm sorry. It's probably a guy I should know. I just don't know. Um, the guy from Leipzig who was really good with Werner, who isn't scoring at all with Chelsea. Like Chelsea could go out in their next match and lose. Is that Jesse, is that Jesse Marsh? Maybe. Uh, the American? No, no, I'm talking about the coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an American coach. In, uh, I'm trying to – I'll look it up. Because uh, okay. what I heard, I was watching ESPN FC last night, and they mentioned uh, two names. They mentioned Thomas uh, Tuchel. Yeah, who just got PSG. sacked from PSG and Brendan Rogers. I was like, didn't Brendan Rogers just go in there with Lester? How's that going to work? Yeah. People were joking that he was just going to switch locker rooms at the end of that match. Actually. I've seen that Rogers is on the short list. Um, I've seen the former PSG title is on the short list as well. Um, but we'll, I think they're going to give Lampard more time. They don't dip in where they, they hired Lampard from Darby County it's not very often that Chelsea is going to be hiring the manager from Derby County, unless it's like, you know, the guy that scored the most goals for the club. That's why you go out and do that. Um, Julian Nagelsman. Yeah. Is that the, I, yeah okay. I'm sorry. I, I saw the name earlier today. I just, I didn't write it down. Um, so that's, those are a few of the guys that are on the short list, but I'm hoping he sticks it out the rest of the season. Cause I do think Chelsea can improve. I don't know if they're going to finish in the top four at this point. They really haven't given me any reason to think that they will. Um, but I can't imagine, God, if they finish below eighth, (laughs) then obviously Lampard is out, but I don't know. Maybe he can find himself. Maybe he can at least give him, give Chelsea a race down the stretch to finish with a champions league spot. That's what he's going to have to do. Um, he's not really set himself up to win many other trophies unless they're going to go on a miracle run in champions league, which they've done before, but I don't expect it to happen again. Jesse Marsh, uh, Red Bull Salzburg. So that's Austria. Sorry. I, I had my uh, Eastern Bloc countries a little bit confused. It's all right. So, the yeah, name well, did sound listen, right, but I didn't want to assume. I, uh, you know, I, I'm interested in this just because, you know, as a Barca supporter, you know, they talk about hiring a, a club legend there in Xavi. And you sort of don't know how that's going to go. I mean, this is the flip side of it. Everything, you know, hey, it's going to be great. And he's a legend. And, you know, this is, this is somebody who everybody loves. And it's super frank, super frank. But yeah. then the flip side is, you know, you, you really run the risk of alienating one of your club legends if shit doesn't work out. You know, so it sort of makes you nervous whether you, you go and hire somebody like this to bring into your favorite club, right? Like, that's a really... That's a dicey. There's a flip side of that coin. You know, it's great if it works, but it's terrible when it doesn't. And yeah, it could end very you know. sour. I don't know how Frank Lampard's going to react to it. Maybe Frank Lampard's going to be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you did not give me enough time. Like these guys, one of them has been hurt. Like I'm just finally getting these guys together. Give me a chance here. Um, or he can kind of just be grateful for where he is and say like, I'm probably in this position because I happen to play for this club. I don't know how he's going to respond. I, I, as a Chelsea supporter, I want him to turn things around and I want him to win a bunch of trophies with Chelsea. And even if he does get the sack, um, I know for sure that he's still going to be well-received with the supporters. Like they're still going to sing Frank Lampard's name. They're still going to hang signs of super Frank. So um, if there's a personal issue, maybe with, the board. I don't know if something could go sour there. I don't expect things to go sour with the fans, at least. So um, I'm bracing myself after the loss to Lester. I really, I texted some friends. I'm like, I'm, when I wake up, I'm probably going to wake up to the news of Frank Lampard being gone. At least I was believing what the athletic was putting out and um, sure. it hasn't I mean, happened it's... yet. I'm not saying it won't happen, but it hasn't happened yet. By the way, speaking of the Bundesliga, how about this uh, Matthew Hoppy? Just bursting onto the scene here. I just can't like five goals, three matches. And he's, uh, I mean, for Schalke too, like not lighting it up for Dortmund here where you would expect. I mean, he's, uh, he all of a sudden, he's just tossed his his name out there for us men's national team consideration and might do something. No Americans ever done. I think if I saw it correctly, Winalda holds the record for most goals scored in an individual season in the Bundesliga for an American with nine. Which, you know, sort of was like, wait a second, didn't Pulisic score more than nine? I, I don't know. But, I, I mean, Toppy now, like, like a guy who committed to play college soccer at San Diego State University 
is now over there as a teenager scoring goals in the Bundesliga. That's amazing. I was, was going to be broadcasting his matches, and he's over there scoring goals. He has five already, so he's more yeah. than halfway to the record of Winalda. Yeah. I, I think I read that right. You know, it's been an active day on Twitter. I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I'm surprised you found some Winalda news today on Twitter. Oh, believe me, I wasn't looking for it. It just arrived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five goals and another today. And he was, I mean, his other plan was Pac-12 soccer, which is insane. That's not, I mean, it's not very often that the options are Pac-12 soccer or the Bundesliga scoring the goals that you're scoring. So good for him. Very exciting. I also will uh, appreciate that on NBC today that we went straight live table between United winning against Fulham and City winning. I appreciated that, you know, here on January 20th, we were full-blown live table in the Premier League. I've always loved the live table. I'm all for it. I'm, I'm in a live table match week one. Give me every single week. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, yeah. Suit competitive. Else? No, um, I watched the U.S. women's national team play. Good on them for a 4-0 win against Columbia with all the goals scored by somebody with the last name U.S. So that was always fun to watch. But, yeah, just uh, – Beat them down, Darren. Beat them down. Just I hope my karma doesn't come back to bite me with the Copa del Rey tomorrow. Listen, who do you guys play? It's a good question. Okay. Well, hopefully it's not like – I, I know I know when – it is. I, in, in league, I know we have uh, Elche coming up this weekend – uh, Cornelia, Cornelia, C O R N E L L A. Again, not a club I'm familiar with. I don't think they've spent a lot of time in uh, the Primera División for La Liga. What is that? Is that a, an upset that I smell right now on the podcast, there? <laughs> well, it's is on there... ESPN Plus, Jordan, at uh, 12 noon if you want to watch it here, Pacific Coast time. Okay, perfect. Are you going to be doing your radio show? Or are you going to just be watching this? <laughs> just kidding. What do you think? You're going to be watching ESPN Plus, baby. Let's go. <laughs> That's right, man. Biggest bargain out there. <laughs> um, let's give our thanks to Coach Miller once again. He was really, really good. He was uh, he was good. It's the second time we've had him on. I was thinking about the last time, and his office setup is amazing. Hopefully, we'll, we'll put out some clips at least to promote, so maybe you'll see some video of his office setup. But it looks good. He had the local scarf. I saw the local scarf right there. I saw some SD Loyal scarves. Um, yeah, he's got stuff from all over, so... Really good setup. Our thanks to Coach Miller. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, I'm sure spending many countless hours there at the SD Loyal offices in Mission Valley in Landon Donovan's undecorated office, at least when we visited last, with the board and all the magnets so that they can do all sorts of coaching there on the, on the big whiteboard. He doesn't even have a window in his office, I don't believe. Landon's all business, even though he's playing golf today with Phil Mickelson. Listen, sometimes you have an office without a window. Some days you're on the course with Phil Nicholson. Who knows? That happens, man. It's good to be the king. <laughs> it is good <laughs> to be the king. Um, yeah. All right. Um, let's give our thanks to Three Puck Ales and to Sport Clips. Sport Clips, I can't wait to get back to you. See I will ya. chat Peace. with you soon. Cheers to you.